Tune in to Pacifica Radio's celebration of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Pride 2008, entitled Queer Life, Queer Planet. We'll be looking at Pride in the U.S. and internationally, covering the stories of LGBT people from Cuba to Nigeria. We'll explore everything from what makes us gay to lesbianism in the Middle East. We'll enjoy comedy and satire and listen to LGBT music from around the globe and much more on this community radio station. Tune in on June 29th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, or log in online at kpfa.org. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is a minute past 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to Cover to Cover. Today we conclude our program on Frameline 32, this year's San Francisco International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Film Festival. Last week, we spoke with three local filmmakers featured in this year's festival. Dara Sklar and Melinda Baglatelos, co-directors of Lesbro, Don't You Know? Lesbro is actually, uh, we've heard of different people have created the term. Um, it's not mainstream yet, but a lot of people know about it. Now I think hopefully even more well. And Carl D. Brown director of the feature documentary Second Verse, Rebirth of Poetry. It shows how spoken word, poetry, slam performance is really changing the urban teenage culture in the Bay Area. You know, it's it's the rebirth of poetry. So we had the beats and now we have, you know, slam performance poetry. Today we have Michael Lumpkin, the outgoing artistic director of Frameline. Through the film festival, Michael Lumpkin introduced local audiences to the works of Derek Jarman, Gus Van Zandt, among others. He's the co-producer of The Celluloid Closet, a feature documentary examining the depiction of homosexuality in Hollywood films. Recorded at the Frameline offices in San Francisco, he discusses the history and future of Frameline, queer cinema, and his future plans. I'm here in San Francisco with the artistic director of Frameline, uh, Michael Lumpkin, and this is his final, I guess, I shouldn't say final, but the last as artistic director uh, with the uh, Frameline uh, International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender uh, Film Festival, which uh, concludes this weekend. And I'd like to welcome Michael to Cover to Cover. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, I guess in looking at the the festival, I guess we should uh, get some history about Frameline and the festival and and how long it's been going on. Well, this is our 32nd festival, so 32 years. Uh, The festival started um, really as a... In many ways, a very different festival in some ways and very much the same in others. It it started when a group of gay filmmakers came together to show their films to themselves, their friends, and the community. And it was a short 
a program of short films uh, with a lot of different views, different you know, perspectives, and remarkably a very um, kind of diverse program, which kind of still reflects our program and we do 32 years later. There were experimental films and comedies and documentaries. And um, again, as today, it was um, very, very successful. There were um, as many people outside the venue trying to get in as were in the venue because it had such a huge crowd had come to attend that first festival. And were they mostly Bay Area filmmakers? Yes, initially they were they were local filmmakers, and kind of over the first few years, the uh, festival expanded to bring in filmmakers from other. Other so we're talking 1975, 76? Uh, 77 was 77. the first year. Yeah. Yeah. You say that they were basically short films and, and independent, you know, experimental films. There were very few um, kind of of those kind of large budget, you know, studio released or anything that lacked some kind of substantial budget uh, films made, certainly here in the U.S. Um, we really started getting our first kind of big budget features from foreign countries um, where um, you know, more, I think more of those were being made in films like the Netherlands and, and France where there started to be kind of gay representation, kind of modern gay representation, kind of very, very you know, kind of post-gay lib uh, representation in films. Pedro Almodovar uh, said that after the death of Franco, uh, there was a lot more freedom in Spanish films and a lot more expression uh, with the films that were created uh, after his death, after his uh, uh, dictatorship ended. Um, do you find that the films that have been coming into the festival has reflected uh, the different societies of the different countries that they're, they're coming in? Oh, certainly. I mean, they reflect the different societies. What Pedro said about Spain, I think, is, is true. Uh, you know, seeing that same thing happen with other countries, where if there is a cultural shift in a society that allows, you know, more freedom of expression and that for the queer community, that films start popping up. And it's, you know, we, start, you know, a few years ago we were getting films from China, but they were very underground and, you know, had to be like, you know, they might be shot in China, but the footage had to be smuggled out of the country to another country where it could be edited and put together as a film. But now we are, you know, kind of slowly you're getting more and more films from China that are made in China. And it's true for, you know, several other countries that you can kind of see evolution, progression of society and well, the I, points at yeah. which they start allowing or making and releasing queer cinema. We've talked about the history of uh, Frameline and the 32 years that it's uh, been producing. The existence of Frameline and the festival are... Well, not really. Uh, Frameline uh, started, I believe, with the third festival. It, it Originally, the group called, was called Persistence of Vision. Um, and then I think in the second or third year, the group changed its name to Frameline. All right. Yeah, and I think that came with maybe some change in, in kind of who was 
working. Yeah. All right. On the so um, with you leaving now, and I, I guess it's it's fairly hard to to really leave your baby. You know, well, it's not much of a baby now. Yeah. Like <laughs> but you know, something that you've seen and nurtured and 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 really helped um, become what it is. I know that you um, have in the past been. A, uh, a producer, a co-producer of, of films, is that something that you would like to focus on now? Uh, possibly. I'm really not sure kind of what will be next for me. I'm, I'm kind of getting, you know, getting through this festival and then maybe take a little time off and then see where where I might go. But yeah, it is. It's it is. You know, it's been. It is difficult to. This has been my life for. You know, this is my 25th festival that I've done. So it's it's been a big part of my life. And where do you see Frameline uh, going in the future, not just with the festival, but you mentioned that Frameline also does a, a distribution of films right, as well. Right. Um, you know, our distribution program uh, has been around for over 20 years. We also fund films. We have filmmaker support programs. Uh, every year we, we provide completion grants to films, and then we have a, a, a filmmaking workshop, which is called Generations, which brings together queer youth and queer elders together to learn media literacy skills and production skills, and they work together making making films. So, so I think I think the uh, festival is I, I think will continue as kind of the leader in the field, uh, you know, for the entire world, which is what it's been for the past 32 years, and and I think our other programs, distribution and filmmaker support, will continue to grow, and you know, the, the distribution serves you know national constituency, and. Yeah, so they'll continue to grow too. So with this being the final weekend of the festival, because uh, it's Friday the 27th, what can we expect with the last few days of the festival as it leads into uh, the Pride celebration, which I think is great that you know the two are, are meshing into the, it's like one huge celebration. Yeah, it's, like, it's definitely a climax right. of the uh, of the 11 day festival. This weekend traditionally is just kind of it gets there's more and more people in the city. The, you know, the sidewalks are more crowded. There are people everywhere. Um, you know, so it's a big kind of celebration weekend. We you know, tomorrow Saturday night is the big street party on Castro in front of the Castro Theater, and the film we show Saturday night, Pink Saturday, has really become, you know, almost an, as an important slot as opening and closing mm -hmm. because it, you know, it's it sells out, um, and it's kind of the over the top screening uh, of the festival where we get, you know, really really silly and ridiculous and have a lot of fun. Uh, this year we're showing another gay sequel. Uh, which is just a, a riot. Maybe this sex thing is just not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe I should just hang it up and become a priest. Then you could finally get laid, Sister Mary. Look, love is a battlefield, kid. First we don't succeed, you just try, try again. Yeah, but we're running out of time. The summer's almost over. Okay. Who has a hot prospect for the weekend? I do. <laughs> okay. International gay superstar Richard Hatch is coming to town to sign his new book. So 
and I figure I go for it because God knows no one else around here appreciates me. Rock on. <laughs> what about you, Griff? Nada. Maybe the two of us can check Bodangles. Yeah, sure. Cool. <clears throat> hey, kids. How's it hanging? What are you wearing? We ask you, man's got it going on. See it, see it. Last year, our King Saturday screen was Star Booty. What else? I found an acrylic nail. Like a Lee Press-On nail? Yes, a long Lee Press-On nail. Well, that's strange, because Cornisha doesn't wear Press-On nails. Yes, I know. Test confirm. It belongs to Annika Manners. <gasps> Annika Manners? My arch nemesis, Annika Manners? The same bitch who made my life a living hell at St. Tiffany's Orphanage? The same bitch who used to pour jerry curl juice in my saline solution? Damn you, Annika! Yeah, I've been undercover for the last six months, and I haven't been hired yet. I guess I'm not what they're looking for. Well, what are they looking for? Well... All the girls who've been hired so far have extremely long legs, almond-shaped eyes, and big, luscious, full lips. Well, kind of like you, Star Booty. Well, that's it. That's it, Max. I've got to go undercover as a street looker. Oh, yes, Star Booty, yeah. Pink Saturday is when we kind of get crazy and then wrap it up on Sunday. Pride Day. Yeah, and the, your closing night film? Closing night film is Breakfast with Scott. It's a really, um, it's a it's a it's a gay romantic comedy from Canada, um, and again about parenting. About parenting. About yes. parenting, and it's 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 about this this gay couple. One is an ex hockey star who's now a sportscaster, and the other one's an attorney, and they kind of by chance get this kid drops into their lap. It's a it's a child of one of their friends who's kind of been arrested in India on an overseas trip or something and the kid is like way more gay than they are and because they're a little conservative and a little, a little slightly closeted um, and the kid just kind of drops into their life and makes them rethink of how they're living their lives yeah. as a gay couple so, and, and, and it's very fun Let me go! You're going to kill me! They want to kiss me! Kiss you! Think I make it up? I think Scott might be gay. What was your first clue? Is that a picture of your mom? This poor kid. He doesn't have Billy, he doesn't have his mom, and he thinks he doesn't have us. You sound like a parent. No, I'm not his dad. I'm not a dad. Hey, mommy. Scott, stand up. I think you're going to have to carry him by his poodle belt. This kid has no idea how to behave. None. I'm talking self-preservation here, Sam. Well, he'll learn. I'm not talking to you, either of you. I guess there's always private school. The idea was to make him less gay. They must have faked they were not gay. What did you do? Played hockey. You know how to skate, huh? Look at that go. You want to let the team down, right? Black and ham stick. Give it to me to beat you with. Pop tarts, cheese sticks, yogos. Hey, Scott, come back. He's not a problem, Brexit. Should I go after him? My dad, you should just yell. Get back here. You have to eat something. 
there any other new changes that have happened uh, with this festival that uh, um, you haven't had featured before? I know there's a thing called the AT&T Pavilion. Yes, it's um, something we're, we're bringing back uh, after several years. Um, kind of in the mid to late 90s, we, we erected a pavilion next to the Castro Theater, which became a gathering place, really a central kind of living room for the festival and where filmmakers gather and people going to the movies and we have our Q&As out there um, and we were able to bring that back this year with uh, AT&T coming on as a grand sponsor of the festival, so our first grand sponsor um, and we had another new venue this year in the East Bay we, uh, our East Bay screenings this year were at the Elmwood oh, uh, yes. in, in Berkeley right, yeah, right, right I'm speaking with Michael uh, Mocken, who is the outgoing artistic director of Frameline and who is uh, receiving the Frameline Award uh, for uh, good works done, not only for Frameline, but for the community as a whole. Um, he is uh, not only the artistic director, but also um, a co-producer of the Celluloid Closet, uh, which was about... Uh, Days in, in, in Hollywood films. Right, right. That's one thing I wanted to ask, and I don't know if the festival has ever featured uh, films by uh, a, a, a gay or lesbian um, uh, artists or directors per se, where the subject matter may not be a gay subject matter, let's say like Sunday Bloody mm -hmm. Sunday, which happened to have a, yeah. a, a gay director, but, uh, or, and also, I guess, Midnight Cowboy still had a, a over, uh, yeah. you know, but it wasn't necessarily, there was a homoerotic uh, aspect to Midnight Cowboy, although it wasn't really seen as a gay yeah. film. Yeah. Has uh, the festival ever featured uh, works by uh, artists who were known to be uh, gay or lesbian, but the work that they were doing uh, in the mainstream uh, media wasn't necessarily focused. Yeah. Um, we, we have some. I mean, that's a difficult thing. I, I think going back to the you know before, before I said a, a bit ago about I, I think it's about the audience expectations. Right. Um, you, to to be able to do that, I think well, you have to put it into context. Right. So so we like a few years ago, Rose Crochet received our Frameline Award, and she's a director who's made queer films and non-queer films. So in our retrospective of her work that we presented when we gave her the award, we sh presented her non-gay films as well so that now you're looking at the career of a, of a, of a queer director right. and that does include you know queer subject matter and non-queer subject matter so it's really about the context and, and I think it's also we've been able to do that I think around experimental films right. that that where you know it's not so linear and narrative um, you know, perhaps those audiences are more willing to accept, you know, in, in some abstract experimental form, seeing a queer perspective. Um, you know, I guess it's really difficult to really try to read what the audience what your audience is. Even at KPFA, we try to think of our listeners, mm -hmm. but our listeners are so diverse that we, yeah. you know, we can't say for sure that they're within this particular group or they have this partic particular site. 
when, when in essence they have multiple sites and they're in multiple groups. That's who we are. That's who they, they yeah. know us to be. Yeah. And the other thing that you, that we deal with is our audience uh, changing in the sense they're getting older. Now I know, you know, I confess in going to the festival, I would sometimes go through the thing and say, okay, which one are the, am I going to see, ha a chance to see a penis? Now, you know, you know, 25 years later, I don't care. I want to, yeah, I want to see the content and uh -huh. I want to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Like in the, in the case of Star Booty, I think yeah. Star Booty is total escapism and, you know, I just want to have fun and like, my head off, or a movie like Vegas in Space. Okay, give me the camp. Yeah. Um, or you know, I want a really serious film. Um, I'm not looking for a kind of a visceral, you know, thrill or, or things like that. And uh, how does the festival really uh, gauge where the audience is, or do you just keep your films as diverse as possible? That there's a, a smorgasbord, a little bit of something for yeah. everybody. No, I think the latter is definitely our approach, and, and, and it takes. You know, some years to, you know, develop the audience and kind of get the audience used to what you're doing. But I, I think the the diversity and just showing as much as we can, as many different things as we can, because I think there's an audience for everything, and, right. and it's what's really. I learned that a lot from kind of our audience ballots where people write all the films and give us their comments. And you know, for every film that somebody loves, somebody hates it. And I think that's what makes it work. If everybody loved every film we showed, we're not doing our job. So yeah. that's our job is to, you know, show things. I mean, yeah, we're going to show things people don't like and they're going to tell us about it. And I think that's part of doing the job right. Okay. Well, I'm going to pull out the crystal ball here and okay. ask you to look deep into it and uh, try to uh, see, you know, where... Um, the queer cinema is going to be going in the future. If you have any, uh, if you glean anything, especially from the submissions that you have gotten, uh, if you see some sort of direction that queer cinema is going. I, I, I see, I mean, one thing I've noticed over the last couple of years, there are less of, I would say, the romantic comedies. Um, that 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 was a pretty kind of tried and true formula for queer cinema for a while, and you would have, you know, several of those types of films come along every year, and those are getting you know fewer and fewer. So so I think uh, filmmakers are going to more interesting and um, maybe not so you know formulaic structure and works and stories. The other thing I think is exciting that I, w I would love to see, um, I, I think there's so much interesting filmmaking going on from other countries and, and other cultures and, you know, so many people have access to making films now and it's, and I, I really want to see a place for the you know a place for those films within you know within the US and within the ways that either a place for them within the US or a a better way to get those films to more people right. um, yeah. you know a lot of them don't get distributed here because they're not seen as or you know kind of within the current you know industry and system they're not commercially viable um, 
but I hope that someday they can go to work. That's, that's interesting because I guess I was reading somewhere and they were talking about some colored ceiling. I don't know if it was lavender or pink or purple, but they were saying that um, the 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 ceiling for gay expression and, and gays in, in 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 the media and the arts, uh, the various. Uh, media channels is, is bursting and they gave examples of Ellen DeGeneres and Rosie O'Donnell and, and saying see the ceiling is, is crashing you know everyone's going beyond the ceiling but you know even looking back at some of the reactions that uh, uh, folks had to Brookback Mountain and not necessarily in the large uh, urban areas where there's a little bit more diversity, but in the smaller niches and where it becomes a butt of a joke, you know, as yeah. opposed to something that's really taken uh, seriously. Um, I kind of question whether the, whatever the color of the ceiling is is actually shattered, but maybe, you know, just an elevated a little bit more so you're thinking you're that things are going further than they are. Yeah, I, I, th I think what's changing is, I mean, you know, like 30 years ago, you know, th films were shown in movies. I mean, you had to go to a theater to see a film. Right. I'm sure you might see a film on TV. You know, and, and so there were very few, you know, channels and places for people to view film. So that when a gay film, a queer film showed up on that, I, th I, I think more people encountered it, including the people that were not happy about it. Yeah. I think now the way that, that kind of communication and media delivery and media consumption has just changed with, you know, so many channels. I think it's, it's, it's being able to have so many channels that has allowed, you know, the gay channels, the logos, and the years to kind of exist alongside you know, other channels, and, and I, I mean, I do think things are changing, and it's becoming more acceptable, but I think that the kind of bandwidth increasing of delivery of content is really a, a big factor in allowing that to happen. Well, I think that uh, the whole uh, accessibility to uh, cinema is uh, made a lot easier as well. I know that um, friends in Brazil uh, receive uh, a, a catalog from uh, TLA, mm -hmm. and they, you know, you know when they can't get it in the cinemas. I mean, uh, with translations and costs and things like that, a lot of films aren't translated into Portuguese and sent to Brazil and, and those various areas. But they're able to get uh, films you know, uh, uh, gay theme films and just a whole diversity of films through a distribution uh, through the internet, through, yeah. through their computer. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I think possibly a lot of filmmakers are looking to the internet as a way of self distributing right. their own yeah. materials yeah. And, or even starting up. I mean, when uh, you have something like YouTube that can make a superstar out of someone that's imitating Steve Perry of Journey, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's like, oh, okay, well, I can do that too. Um, but uh, I think that um, and one of the filmmakers I, I spoke with who, who, was, who had a short you know, a friend says, oh, no, put it on YouTube. And she says, no, I wanted part of the festival because they wanted it not necessarily 
to have a sense of legitimacy, but to be able to be with an audience and experience it as a shared experience. Yeah. Because indeed, uh, like going to the theater, seeing a film with an audience is a shared experience, and it really makes the film so much larger, so much more, uh, gives it a more impact when you see it with other people around right. you. Right, yeah. You know, and I think that's the opportunity that you give a lot of the, the filmmakers who, who who may have options to, to distribute their films elsewhere, but not the opportunity of experiencing it with an audience and getting that yeah. reaction. Yeah. And I think that's why the festival still I mean we have tens of thousands of people coming to the festival this year. There there are LGBT film festivals all across the country. There's probably close to two hundred of them. And so I think it it really is that that, that shared viewing um, and that experience and that community that's that's um, it, it's important and I think all the festivals are evidence of yeah. that being the case. And it's even different going to see like a queer film just at the multiplex you know, on a Wednesday night with whoever may be showing up as opposed to seeing it in the context of a festival with kind of, you know, a theater full of like-minded <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'd like to thank you for your thank time you. and really getting together and and, and uh, sharing your experiences and your knowledge about cinema and Frameline and the work that you've done with Frameline. Well, well, we still have you know lots of movies left to show in these uh, last three days. So um, you know, check out our website Frameline.org and uh, come to the festival. All right. This is the funnest weekend. All right. All right. <laughs> and and uh, you mentioned the new venue in the East Bay, the Elmwood. Yeah. Um, the other venues um, in San Francisco, the Castro. Uh, and the Roxy on 16th Street, and just down the street, the Victoria, also on 16th Street in the Mission. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. The Frameline LGBT Film Festival runs through June 29th at venues in San Francisco and Berkeley. For more information, visit 